Hello, hello, and hello! Welcome back, guys, for another episode. If not now, when? And I'm so beyond excited to introduce you today, my special guest today, Sabrina Solhoski. I probably say her name incorrectly, but we're gonna go with that. And <laughs> Sabrina is so incredibly special in many, many levels. First of all. Today she lives in Paris. Wow! I just felt so fancy just by saying that name. What a beautiful, beautiful city!、Um, and of course, you expect she speaks four languages because why not? When you're that smart, you might just you know pick that language as you go, right? And she today actually coming from the corporate world, where with focus on fashion and beauty. So she done a lot of things such as you know beauty, product development. Social media strategy. She also involved in Paris Fashion Week, which, if you in fashion, you know that's a big deal. So, with all those incredible things she did, and that's how she developed her passion for branding, for design, for color, for all those above. And today, she found her own business、uh, with a mission to help entrepreneurs to find their own authentic brand voice and able to speak with full confidence. And in addition to all those things, she also is a host for her own podcast. Pretty sure. And besides that, she also is a foodie. She have true, true passion to travel the world to see the world.、Uh, with that, I am so excited, Sabrina. Thank you so much for being my guest today. Welcome to the show. Hi, Wen. Thank you. I love that introduction. I'm so excited to be on the show as well. Yes, and Sabrina, let's start with your name. What a beautiful name, and I'm pretty sure I butchered it. So, can you tell us how to actually pronounce it, and where does the name come from? Don't worry, everyone. I don't think anyone can get it right at the first time.、Um, it's Schulkowski. So, in German,、uh, I'm half German. So, in German, the W you pronounce it as a V. So, it's like Schulkowski. But if you are Polish or Russian or whatever it is, you might have already guessed. That my last name is not really German; it is Polish. So my grandparents were from my dad's side; were actually born in what used to be Prussia, which is now Poland. So back in the day, it belonged to Germany. That's why my entire family from my dad's side is German. But other than that, we have Polish origins. <laughs> That's so beautiful.、Um, but you you from Mexico, Mexico, right? Wow. Yeah. So my mom is Mexican, and I was born in Mexico. Wow, how how does that happen? That's incredible. <laughs> my parents met working,、um, and they just my, my dad just stayed there. He really liked it. He fell in love. So, oh, that's how all this beautiful story got started, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so with that, you were born in Mexico. Do you always always love fashion and beauty industry? Um, fashion, yeah. So when I was like eight, I wanted to be a model. Um, don't、Ooh. ask me why. I was like tall, so everyone was like, "Oh my god, you should be a model." I'm like, "Oh, but I'm not thin." They're like, "But you're tall," and I was like, "Well, okay, we'll see."、Um, never actually happened, which I'm grateful for because after working in the fashion industry, so much respect for models, but also they live a hard life. So thankful that I never got to actually be a model. And then the beauty industry, I got into it. I want to say like seven or eight years ago. 
um, when I started having like skin problems, you know, I had a lot of zits, I had all of those problems. And then I really just started loving reading all of the ingredients, trying a hundred different brands and seeing which ones worked. And then I just basically became obsessed with beauty. So, mm -hmm. wow. So basically you, uh, the love for fashion and beauty is all because of you. You want to solve your own problem. And once you did that, you want to able to help many others in the same, same topic, same area. Yeah, exactly. That's amazing. So, um, you know, you want involved with fashion when you were eight and you love beauty a couple years ago. So yes. tell us how does all journey got started. So you were born, boom, I was born. you want fashion. <laughs> What's next? Yeah. So actually when I was trying to decide what to study when I was like 18, 17, because I finished school earlier, um, there wasn't really a big fashion movement in Mexico, and I never considered moving anywhere else other than, like, the States. And I was I ended up studying something else. So I ended up initially studying image consulting, which is kind of like personal branding. It's another world, word for personal branding. Mm -hmm. And then I started in fashion because I applied for a one-year program uh, for a scholarship, and I got it to move to Paris. That's how I initially arrived here. And I just really liked it and I stayed and I ended up doing my bachelor's in fashion marketing and communication. So that's how I basically got into the fashion world by accident. Wow. And do you always wanted to go to Paris when you were at the time no. 18 applying? Oh my God, no, it wasn't even in my plans. Like I was living in Mexico City by myself because my parents were living in another city. You know, I had everything. I had like my car, I had my friends, I had a nice boyfriend, I had everything. And my ex-boyfriend turned out to be a bit psycho. Um, we broke up and my mom was like, oh my God, you should go and travel the world or like do something because like, I don't want you to stay here and be sad about that idiot, whatever. Let's see what happens. And so I just looked around, you know, I looked online and I was like, okay, if I would want to go anywhere, where would I go? I looked for fashion schools and then I just found a scholarship and I was like, well, that might be my only chance to go to a fashion school. So let's see what happens. But Paris was never in my plans. Mm -hmm. And even the first six months that I was here, I hated it. Really? And yeah, I hated it. It was the first six months living in Paris. It's really hard because Why? you have to adapt the language mostly. If you don't really speak the language, at least back in the day. So we're talking about seven years and a half, mm -hmm. which is like a long time. Um, French people didn't really like speaking English. They preferred that you spoke French. And, you know, it was a bit hard getting to know people, making friends and all of that. Mm -hmm. Now it's a completely different story. Like all the people I know that are expats, they basically don't even need to speak French. Like people are so friendly mm -hmm. speaking English. But back in the day, it was hard. Wow. So the first six months, I was like, worst decision ever. Why did I decide to come? I want to go back. And my mom, she was again like, no, you know what? You committed to a year finish if you really hate it after a year you can come back but at least finish and see what happens and That's i think so she regrets, yeah and i think but i think she regrets that nowadays because it's been seven years and i never went back to mexico so <laughs> wow yeah. um yeah. wait so just take a second back right when you were 17 you would look around the school you uh find uh, this opportunity in paris and i know that you you your mom uh encouraged you to go and see the world but were you hesitate? Were you scared? Because it's a it's a far, far, far away country, right? How do you able to just say, you know what? I'm 17, but I'm gonna go. Like, were you hesitate at all? I don't. I was hesitant, but not because I was scared. I was mostly hesitant because I was finally where I wanted to be. Because 
the reason why I wanted to live in Mexico City initially was because we lived there when I was like 12 till I was 14. And I, no, 11 to 14. And I had a lot of friends, you know, I had the best time of my life. Mm-hmm. We moved away to another city and I missed it. Mm-hmm. So the day we moved away, I made it kind of like my goal to go back and live in Mexico City at whatever mm-hmm. cost. Like even if my parents didn't want to, I would go study there or find work there or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it took me a couple of years, took me three and a half years, finally made it back to the city. And I was like, I don't know why I would leave. I really love it. You know, like the city is nice. I have everything I could want. Why would I go away? That's, that's incredible. So that sounds like it was, you were comfortable. You were making friends. You were making loot. You know, it's everything you wanted at that time. Yeah. But but yeah, besides your mom's encouragement, what pushed you to say go after what you really want even though it's something so much unknown it's scary it's you know it's everything you don't know yeah Yeah. so I think it was mostly because I had broken up with this guy and I was like well I was miserable for the past two months because it was a really bad relationship why don't I just go try it out see what happens maybe I like it maybe I love it maybe I stay or Mm -hmm. worst case it's just a year you know like I can come back visit my friends they'll always be here Mm-hmm. So I just figured, let's try a new adventure and let's see what happens. I love how bold you are. Just pack and leave. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so now in Paris, you said you did not love it for six months. So what is in your mind? Were you think this is the worst decision ever? Like, how do you process that? Oh, my God. Yeah, I was I went back to Mexico for Christmas because I arrived here. I think it was August. Mm-hmm. Went back to Mexico for Christmas and I was considering not coming back. At that, like I really hated it. It was bad. Not the school. The school was great. I was making friends, but it was just I wasn't really adapting to French culture. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't think I can do this. I really want to go back. I want to go back to my friends, see everyone, and all of that. And then when I went back to Mexico, I realized I actually missed Paris, which was like super weird. I actually missed Paris. I wanted to go back. I wanted to go back to my life. And then coming back. Something just clicked, and I think I started making more friends, like French friends. I started going out partying, and I just I kind of adapted more. So I so, think I'm... so. You were first didn't like it, and then you're going home because you're being away. Therefore, you start seeing the beauty of the city, and you wanted to go back more. Yeah, yeah. So I think what clicked was. Obviously, my family, I love them. I miss them. I wish we were in the same city. But seeing my friends kind of not move ahead in mm-hmm. life, like not mm-hmm. necessarily not move ahead, but they were very much focused on the same things. Mm-hmm. They were just like, oh, did you know this person made out with that person? And did you know that those other couples are coming back together? Or like there's this drama, you know, like it was the same thing mm-hmm. that I had left six months before. So I was like, I don't really know why mm-hmm. I would back to this now mm-hmm. I just rather go back and experience something and then see what happens that's beautiful and by the way when you said that that reminds me of my hometown that's how everyone lives like they yeah. grow up in the small town they stay there they get married they got babies and they talk about other people's things and that's pretty much the small town is yeah exactly exactly wow so then that moment you decide you know what I'm gonna go do my own thing so you go back to Paris and was it hard for you um, transition from the moment you decide I'm going to really stick it out to finally adapt to local life. I imagine it's not just easy when you go back, right? Um, it wasn't 
easy, but it wasn't also that hard because I started kind of trying to date. So this was the time when <laughs> Tinder started. I still remember like Tinder had just been open in Europe for like a couple of months or whatever. So it was a new craze. Everyone was on it. And I was like, listen, Sabrina, you have to start living life and going out there and meeting people some other way because this way that you've been doing it so far is not working. So I basically went, started going on dates with guys, with French guys, and I forced myself to speak French. So I basically told them, if you want to go out with me, my only condition is that you speak French to me, even if I don't understand you, or even if my French sucks and I start speaking to you in English. Like, I just want you to speak to me in French. And most of the guys agreed to it. Um, so I started, you know, going out, my friends started getting better, my slang started getting better, and then just life kind of got easier for me. Wow, that's tremendous determination. Yeah, it's really funny, because when people ask me, they're like, how did you learn French so fast? And I'm like, you might not like my answer, but I use Tinder. And they're all like, no, that's crazy. I'm like, I kid you not. I message people every day on Tinder in French, and that's how I improved my friend. <laughs> wow, you are just determined. I love that. Sabrina. Thank you. You know, sometimes for other things, I'm just like, where is that determination? So I need to remind myself of those things. I think we all have our super genius zone at one spot. And yeah. none of us are perfect, all of things. But I just think that you are just so beautiful soul and have that determination and move yourself to a new country that you don't know anyone, you don't speak the language, you don't know the system, but you determine to make it work. That That's just beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. It wasn't the it was the first time, but not the last time. So I actually moved after two years to Barcelona. Um, again, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know anything. Why, why do you want to move? You just get comfortable in Paris. You just made friends. You just made friends. I realized I didn't like the school I was in. So the thing is, when I switched from my one year program, which was like the scholarship program, it was an intense program. And then when I switched to the bachelor. It was kind of the same thing, but slower, like so much slower. So I was really bored in class. I didn't really like my classes, my teachers. I found them a bit annoying and I found it, I, I, I didn't really find it challenging. So I figured I might change my degree, but I didn't want to start over, right? Because at this point I was, I think 20, I was turning 20. And I was like, if I start over again, I'm not going to finish college until I'm like 25. And I don't really want that. So I started asking around, looking in the internet, what universities would take my current studies and kind of like put me in the middle of their degrees. And the only school that accepted it was another fashion school in Barcelona that had the marketing and communication degree. So I basically finished with two degrees, even though I only finished one. Wow. And how do you know they are good? They're the one accepting you. How do you know that is what you're looking for? I didn't. <laughs> I was just hoping for the best. You, wow, you are a massive risk taker. I was just like, well, I can't be worse than what I have right now. So Wow, so how did it turn out? Was it better? It was better. The school was better. All the subjects were amazing. I learned a lot. I learned a lot of fashion things, of strategy things, of business things. That's kind of where I fell in love with advertising, branding, and all of that. Mm -hmm. In terms of the people, Barcelona is a really interesting city because if you go as a an exchange student so like six months it's fabulous if you go on vacation amazing if you stay there for less than a year it's fantastic but if you actually live there and you have to interact with the locals it gets a bit hard because they're very proud of their origins and they won't want to speak to you in the language so obviously i speak spanish there they speak spanish 
but they mm -hmm. also speak Catalan. And so most of the people would refuse to speak Spanish to me and they would instead speak Catalan. So it made my life a bit complicated. Wow. At this point, you had to pick out another language? No, I never learned it. I was like, no, I'm sorry. Spanish is enough. Like, <laughs> we're insane. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. That I, I just love that you're able to pack out and leave to a completely new situation, new language. But hey, you made it. Yeah. So tell, so tell me what happened afterwards. So you got your degree, you fall in love with the advertising, the branding, and what do you go from there? I quickly realized, so before finishing my school there, um, the first year I realized that I actually missed Paris. Not my school, but I missed the city. I missed Paris. So before graduating, I started looking at how I could go back to Paris. Like maybe it was a job or maybe it was like my master's degree. And so basically I finished my bachelor's in June 2017. And then I was accepted to a school in Paris for September 2017. So I was like, bye, Barcelona. I'm done. I'm going back to Paris. Okay. So second time around, how's Paris treating you? It's a love-hate relationship. Uh, a lot of people that, like any expat that lives in Paris for really long will definitely relate to what I'm saying. There are days and there are months when you really love the city and there are months when you're just like, why am I still here? Like, I need to leave. Why? Tell us more about it. It's hard to explain, but I just feel like things are sometimes complicated. There's a lot of bureaucracy. Um, you know, closing an account in a bank is really complicated. You have to send a letter. It's just the whole process of doing anything takes so long. And I was talking to a friend, actually, for one of my podcast episodes. She's French, but she lived in New York for, I think, like 10 years. So we were talking about how it was for her to be back in Paris. And she basically couldn't have said it better. She said, the thing is, for French people, no just means keep trying until you wear us down. And so that's the best explanation you can give, because if you want to do something, you have some bureaucracy papers, if you want to get your nationality, if you want immigration, whatever it is, if they tell you no, it doesn't mean no. It just means we <laughs> want to give you a hard time, keep trying until like we feel like it. Wow. Is, is it weird and how you get that resilience in you? I feel like you just have that grit that nothing will ever turn you down. As long as you decide, you're going to get it. Um, I think partly. So partly I do have to say it's thanks to my dad because I've always seen him do the same throughout his life. And partly, obviously, it's I don't like people telling me no. So <laughs> I'm like, That's awesome. You're like, you say no? Uh-huh. Watch me. I'm going to get this. Like, How, You're telling you me I can't close my bank account? I'm definitely going to close it. Like, just watch me. How? That's incredible. Do you always say that? What, what, what made you... Yeah, I was always like that. So like I said, I saw my dad when I was growing up. He was always like that. Um, he never let anyone get to him. He's always like, I'm going to fight for whatever I believe in. If people like it, cool. If they don't like it, cool as well. Um, he also has a really incredible story. So I learned from him and I kind of just got it as well from traveling and from having, you know, like hardships or just like little things, not necessarily mm -hmm. bad things, but, you know, dealing with some things here and there that I was just like, Nuh-uh, you're not going to bring me down. Like, I've got this. <laughs> I love that spirit. That's just so beautiful. Thank you. That's amazing. Thank okay, you. so you so you back to Paris. Um, yeah. You love it. You hate it in the same time. And you finally start fashion world. 
Yes. Yeah. So I was working in fashion. You know, I did work in a lot of showrooms for the brands. So basically a showroom for those who don't know uh, or aren't acquainted with the fashion world is brands usually sell clothing collections to buyers, which come from different um, big department stores or like little boutiques. Basically, they choose what they're going to show in the store. So if you go to like Bloomingdale's, if you go to Harrods, if you go to wherever you are in the world, what you see is because somebody chose that, like chose specifically those pieces to be in that store because of like, because of whatever it is, they do an analysis. And basically it's kind of like a show, it's like a store, but for buyers and for celebrities or stylists or whatever. Wow, it must be intense. It's really intense. You know, if you work there, it's like, Sometimes you'll start at 6.30 in the morning, you'll end at like 8 because a client is delayed, they haven't arrived, and you have to stay there because, you know, they're buying like tens of thousands of dollars and you can't, like as a brand, you can't um, lose that money because they're good clients and then they're going to give you more clients and all of that. So it could start at 6.30 in the morning, you could end at 8, and you really have to keep like a straight, nice face, you have to represent the brand, whatever the brand is, they have their own guidelines, you know, poor models, like they are, I think they're the ones that suffer the most, because they have to try the clothes on, go out, come back in, try them on, try the next one, and just like walk in heels for basically 12 hours a day. Wow, I cannot imagine how people can do that. Yeah, oh my god, poor girls, poor girls. I'm telling you, that's why after I saw that, I was like, thank Mm -hmm. you, universe, for not letting (laughs) me be a model, because that life is just, it's hard. Do you think that people do that? Do they have a big love for modeling? Um... From talking to different models throughout the years in different sectors um, of the industry, some of them really have a passion. Some of them only do shows and some of them only do showrooms. So the difference is a showroom pays really well because they know it's hard work and so they pay you accordingly. If you do a show like a catwalk, they pay you a bit less unless you're super famous because it's just like you wear clothing five minutes, you go out and then you're done. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the models that don't really like that hectic, I'm going to work in a catwalk life, they go into showroom modeling because two weeks and you can basically get paid like, I don't know, 4,000 euros, something like that. I'm not entirely sure how much you get paid, but like it's compensated for the amount of time you work. So Wow. Wow. That, that sounds complicated and it's not easy or not as easy as you saw when you're on TV, when you saw those people, you know, very fancy. It looked relatively yeah. easy, but I'm sure they all have a you know challenges behind the scene yeah and, oh my god it's crazy <laughs> and, and I love that how you know you never just work out right like you mentioned you always wanted to be a model when you were young eight and yeah. kind of how the whole circle come back and you working in the show you know, with those girls um and you start realize that's not what you want and how beautiful life is unfold that way right yeah exactly and something that really bothered me um was that When I was younger, like when I wanted to be a model, everyone was like, oh, but you're smart. Why would you work for, like, why would you be a model? And I was like, that has nothing to do with it. Like, I want to prove to people that you can be smart and be a model. And what's really interesting is still nowadays, a lot of people have this misconception of, oh, you're just a model because, like, you don't do anything other than modeling. It's just because you're pretty. But I've met, like, the most interesting models. Like, most of them have a business on the side. Most of them, you know, are, like, studying a fancy degree. Like, they're studying psychology or they're studying, like, mathematics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they do fashion just to get money. So it's really, really interesting. Wow. 
that's that's thank you for unpacking that because for folks who are never really in that world will never know but i agree with you i think i think we should never judge people by like we don't judge book by its cover we should not judge people yeah. by a look or how it seems how it perceived by us because we exactly. all have our own bias in some way or another whether we yeah. notice or not yeah definitely i agree with you on that yeah so and this point right you are working in the fashion world um do you like it? Is it what you want? What do you want it to do next? I did like it. I initially thought it was going to stay, but then I quickly realized that people in the fashion world, not models or all of that, and obviously this is, may, might be an exaggeration. It's like a generalization, sorry. Um, but there are people out there in the fashion world that, true to stereotype, are very cutthroat and are very kind of like interested people in the sense of, if you have something to give them, they will be nice to you and they will help you. And the minute you don't serve them in any way, they're like done with you and they forget with you. Again, it's a generalization, but in my time there throughout like the four or five years when I was studying and working on the side in fashion and all of that, I did get to see the ugly side of it. And I was like, I don't really think I want to continue in this world and go why? down the dark is, path. <laughs> is it because it's not aligned with who you are? Or why? Yeah, so I thought it's just... A lot of people I don't think are really happy because you kind of do have to put on this mask and this persona of if you're too nice, they will take advantage to, of you. So you kind of have to be stronger, be like mm -hmm. a bit more ruthless. And I didn't really want to be that type of person. You want to be you. Exactly. And <laughs> that was never really truly accepted because I am very sometimes direct and honest. So if I don't like something, I'll tell them. And, you know, you have to keep appearances in fashion. So a lot of the bosses or whatever, they wouldn't be really happy with me because I was like, but why do we have to do this? Like, this does not make any sense. We could do it this other way. And they're like, because that's how we want it. You know, and I was just like, mm, okay, I don't think this is for me. So you like to not challenge authority, but you want to really figure it out. You like to have your own voice, which in that part of the world, in the industry, it wasn't really allow or encourage. Yeah, exactly. And even, so I studied styling for a while well, back when I was in college. That was the first thing I did. And that's when I switched to marketing. But styling is basically you work in magazines, you know, you help organize a photo shoot. You're the person that chooses the outfits, styles the models, chooses the makeup, their poses and everything. It's a really, really fun job. Like I loved it. Mm -hmm. But number one, it's very objective. So if you're liked by people, if the person that's the authority is like, oh, I like this person's style, then they're going to hire you for jobs. But if they don't really like your style or this person doesn't like you for whatever, they're never going to pick you. And that was also a problem because, for example, when I was in class, the teacher would tell us like, okay, here's kind of the guidelines created however you want. And then obviously I'd show my entire personality and the teacher would be like, oh, but that like that would never work in the fashion world because that's not insert adjective here and I was like how do you know like just because it's not your style doesn't mean mm -hmm. people are not gonna like it so it was very it was kind of a very toxic environment and I just mm -hmm. decided if I still want to love fashion I'm gonna leave that world and just see it from the outside mm -hmm. okay so that moment you realize your true authenticity is not really aligned with the industry the people you know expectation around you and you decided this is not what you want 
Yeah, exactly. And I'm glad I did when I did, because now, you know, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement and all of those things, you're seeing a lot of fashion companies kind of fall from grace because it turns out there's a lot of racism in their company. There's a lot of like xenophobia, homophobia and all of that. And I'm just kind of glad that I left before mm-hmm. shit hit the fan. Basically. But, but the moment you decide to leave, was that a hard choice? Or at that moment, it's just very obvious. You did not even look back. I didn't really look back because I thought I was still going to do fashion, but from a different perspective. So mm-hmm. I thought instead of being really into the world of like designers and all of that, I might go into media or advertising, which is kind of mm-hmm. a degree separated from it. You know, like you're still seeing it, but it's kind of from afar. So mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't really think anything of it. Mm-hmm. So how do you like it? So now you're moving from fashion to marketing to advertising. How do you like it? Oh, I think media is even worse than fashion, which is interesting to say. Tell me more. Yeah. So after, you know, after I decided to leave fashion, my dream for the couple of years before that, when I fell in love with advertising was to kind of work for a big advertising company. You know, if you've ever seen Mad Men, that was kind of yes. what I wanted to do. So that was my dream. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be Peggy. I'm going to be whatever, you know, I'm going <laughs> to be the boss of everyone, CEO of whatever advertising agency, work for the best brands. And so I actually got an internship with a media company, one of the biggest ones in France. I was super, actually not France, in the world. I was super excited. I was like, oh my God, my dream come true, did fashion, now I'm doing this, so excited. First of all, something a lot of people don't realize is that in advertising and media, there are different sectors within. And I didn't know that. So I thought an advertising agency was just like one thing, whereas There's the media division, which is mostly like numbers. It's mostly like analytics. It's kind of like where you put the advertisements, right? Like the ad is already Mm -hmm. done. There's not really creativity. It's just you kind of have to choose where in the city you're going to place it, where in the world, make deals and all of that. So that wasn't as glamorous as I was. Then the other part is kind of like the analytics side, which is we focus on the ROI, you know, Mm -hmm. what companies make from this like did it work whatever and then the other side is actually the creative one and to get into the creative one it's really really hard because you kind of have to have a track record a lot of years of experience in creativity or be lucky and I didn't know that so going into it I actually went into the media side which in my opinion was really boring for me and in media people are very cutthroat because there aren't that many jobs available, like not high position jobs. So you'll work there for a couple of years and then you'll be out for a promotion, but there'll be like three people kind of fighting for the same job. And so people will not be afraid to backstab you to keep the job, which is also not fun. Wow. So first of all, just take a second to acknowledge that you pivot to media without knowing anything. Once again, this is just you pack out and leave. (laughs) same situation you were just not even afraid you you don't know what it is you're gonna find out right? That's <laughs> yeah. incredible i mean when you put it like that i do sound a bit crazy but to no, me in a great bad. way i i love that you're just able to you know this is what not why i like but i don't know why i like but i'm gonna try this next thing and you know see what universe is gonna bring to me i think having that you know being open-minded and able to really say yes to whatever opportunity of you know present to yourself I think that's just so yeah. beautiful that's how you really maximize all the incredible experience that you have today right yeah I learned a lot you know if I wouldn't have tried it I wouldn't have known that it wasn't the world for me mm-hmm. so how many, I- yeah so how many years were in media and then you 
realize, you know what, this is also not aligned with your own, you know, your principle, your personality and who you really are. I was actually only there for six months. So it was an internship, but Mm -hmm. six months was enough. I actually had the worst experience of my life, like the worst possible internship experience you can ever imagine. Like I was the first The first three months were great. You know, everyone was friendly. Everyone was nice. My immediate superior, she used to be the intern before me. So, you know, she was really friendly with me. She didn't speak French. And she kind of hung out with me because I spoke French and English. So I could introduce her to all the friends, whatever. Um, The work was not something I loved. So I immediately knew I wasn't going to stay in that part of the company. But I thought, you know what? I'm still learning. So whatever. It's fine. Three months down the road... This girl goes completely crazy, turns on me because, like you mentioned before, I speak four languages and we were in the international division. So we were speaking to different people in other agencies that spoke Spanish, that spoke French, that spoke German and spoke English. And this girl, she only spoke English. So most of the people that we were in contact with in the end would end up calling me instead of her, even though she was my boss. Because she like they wouldn't get along as well. Because if you speak to someone in your language, it kind of like creates camaraderie. They're a bit nicer and all of that. So I think she got threatened. I don't really know what happened. I never understood. But from one day to the next, she started being really rude to me. She started like kind of make getting me to make mistakes on purpose by telling me to do things the wrong way. Oh wow! And, then she and she's like, a new man. That's that must be a tough spot. Yeah. And then from there, it just went downhill. She started fighting with me because obviously, if you're doing something wrong to me, I'm not just going to stay quiet and be like, oh, yeah, that's fine. I'm going to be like, listen, this is the way you taught me. So I'm not being rude, but like, this is the way you showed it to me. So you can't possibly tell me I'm the one that's wrong if I learned it from you. Like, you know, this does not make sense. (laughs) Wow. That is a lot of I'm yeah. sure not peaceful uh, at the time you were there. And I'm curious, Sabrina, at this point, yeah. you you be accepted by world largest media company. You thought life is perfect. You finally exit the fashion world. You're going to see it in yeah. different lenses. You you finally made it in, in, at the moment in your mind. And now the experience is dramatically not really aligned with what you want, right? Is that yeah. difficult to digest? Were you oh God, that was miserable about yourself, whether you I should did. quit? Oh, I, I wanted to quit. I actually physically couldn't. Like, I was miserable for the last three months. I cried every single day when I got home because I was so frustrated. I was like, I can't leave. I'm not doing anything at work. I feel like I'm, like, you know, like, I not necessarily like I made a mistake, but I just felt like my hands were tied and I couldn't do anything. Were you because- feeling regretful at the time? Or how do you able to pull that through? I did feel a bit regretful because I felt kind of cheated At the beginning, Mm -hmm. they knew, the people that hired me already knew that I was more creative, that I wanted a certain thing, and they oversold it to me in a different way. So they never told me it was going to be more analytical. They were Mm -hmm. just like, yeah, it's advertising. It's great. Like, you're going to learn a lot of things. And so quickly, two months down the road, I realized, well, that's not actually the case. So I did feel a bit regretful because I felt cheated. They didn't really tell me the truth. So how do you able to pull yourself up and pivot? I left as fast as I could. Like the day my contract ended, I was like, peace out, everybody. I hate y'all. I'm never going to see you again. Have a great life. I love just how bold you are because sometimes, you know, it's easier. I think it's easier for you to say, but oftentimes, not, not, I don't mean easier, but I imagine there are folks in a situation where 
look glamorous from outside, right? You are in the world's yeah. best uh, media company. You have this great opportunity. I'm sure you, you know, have decent, you know, job salaries and you know, all the things around, but you don't like it. You just have the courage to leave versus I imagine, you know, th- there are folks in a situation, in a similar mental situation, but not have the courage. Like, I just love that you, do you always know what you want? I felt like, because of that, you're just not afraid to try that. Is that the reason why? I'm just curious. I'm not necessarily sure I know what I want. I kind of, I think I fixate on an idea. And if it's really ingrained in my mind, I just want to get it no matter what. <clears throat> and so I wasn't necessarily sure I wanted to be in advertising, but I was just like, okay, if I'm going to try advertising, like I'm going to go big or go home. So if I want to work in <laughs> advertising, I'm either working for the biggest brand or like I don't even want to try working anywhere else. So. Wow. <laughs> Just okay. like I got in my mind and I was like, I'm not looking anywhere else. I actually applied four times. <laughs> and like wow. the fourth time was a charm. And you are not discouraged at all with the whole process. No, I left. I, I mean, I was actually really happy to leave and I got really lucky because The week before I left, I actually got hired for a second internship in beauty because I I was already, you know, proactively looking. I was like, okay, I know my contract is going to end. I don't need to do another internship. I could go into a job, but I don't want these people to be the references as like if my new job person calls them and they're like, oh, how did Sabrina do? You never know how people can react you know, if they're vengeful. So I was really afraid that they would say, oh, she sucked. She does a horrible job, even though they knew I didn't. And I didn't want to risk it. So I actually started applying for internships again. I figured, you know what? It's not as bad. Like, yeah, I'm going to be a 24-year-old internship person, but like it could be worse. We'll see what happens. And I got I got hired for a beauty company, and that was a great experience, like completely different to this one, completely. Wow, I I just love that you are so resourceful. This one doesn't work out. Try other thing. Try other thing. And try other thing until one worked out. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it was it was great. It was the best six months. I was doing like you mentioned product development, and then I was also doing social media. Mm-hmm. So I got to learn a lot of things. I got to learn how the beauty industry works from the inside. I, uh, you know, I was also doing a bit of PR because it was a small team. So I was organizing shootings. You know, I got to use my skills from the fashion world. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I was just doing a lot of really fun things. It was a great experience. So you loved it. And what next? I did. And so unfortunately, um, first part of me leaving was they didn't have money to hire me full time, even though they really liked me. Mm-hmm. Because like I mentioned, they were going through a bit of a struggle. I think they're actually even going to sell the brands. It was part of a corporate, like a big corporate group. Mm-hmm. But I think they're even going to sell the brands. Like it's still undecided. But problems, no money. And also they weren't really clean beauty. And since I mentioned I have skin problems, I really wanted to work for a brand that met my ideals, met my values, and that I could actually use. Mm-hmm. Because the sad part of working in that beauty brand was that I couldn't use any of the products. So oh. yeah, it was sad. Like my, my mom is super happy. All of my aunts are super happy because, you know, <laughs> they got unlimited lipsticks and like unlimited blushes and whatever. But everything they gave me, I was like, oh, thank you. Mom, here you go. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Okay, then, so that you liked it, but did not work out because you know whether it's the, the team, the situation, also you don't really felt online in terms of your own uh, preferences. So, yeah. so now yeah. what? Now what? 
So from there, I was looking for a job. You know, I was like, okay, I really liked I liked beauty. I think I'm going to go into a beauty corporate job, whatever. I'm going to look for a cool brand somewhere that they would want to hire me, that I like the values, I like the product, and that I can say proudly, oh, I work for this brand. Mm-hmm. And I quickly realized something really interesting. So when I was going to job interviews, I got either of these next two answers. So on the one side, I got the answer, oh, but you don't have enough experience or like you don't have the experience we're looking for. And on the other, they had, oh, you're overqualified. So you would be bored in this job. Like if you want to take it, go ahead. But we don't recommend it because you would not like be challenged. So I was at this point where I was like, okay, first of all, how can I get such drastically different opinions if like I I don't change anything? Like I show up the same way. I have the same CV. Mm -hmm. I don't change anything. Like why are some people telling me you're overqualified and some people are telling me like, sorry, you're not qualified enough. I was like, there's something definitely wrong here. And you know, my coworkers and everyone that knew me, they were all like, oh, you're going to find a job in like five seconds because like you speak four languages, you're great at what you do. You're like super good at PR. Like it's no doubt you're going to find a job. Mm-hmm. And so I was in January, like what the hell is happening with my life? Like <laughs> I don't, I'm confused. I don't understand. And since I had a really good relationship with my former boss, he actually was the one that got me into um, kind of opening my own business because his friend, like he had a friend in the company that was working for another brand and they were looking for freelancers. And he kind of recommended me. He said, you know, you'd be really good for this freelancing gig. It doesn't pay that great, but it's money at the end of the day. You can do it meanwhile you look for a job. And then if you have a job and it's not that demanding, you can still work with this. And it's kind of like a side hustle. So that's why I started. I started doing freelancing, copywriting and social media um, kind of consulting. It was fun. It was great at the beginning. It was really nice. I was enjoying the difference. You know, I was my own boss. They were kind of listening to me. And then at some point, it all went down south because they started being super demanding. So instead of treating me like a consultant or like a person that's not working for them, they started expecting me to work as if I was actually directly employed by them. So that was kind of like the first red flag. Second red flag was I quickly realized if you're a consultant and if you do done-for-you services for other people or brands, they don't really care a lot about what you give them. So what do you let, mean? So let's say you're a brand designer, right? You do logos, you do, you do graphic design. So let's say you do a logo for a brand or you create their colors or whatever. If you just give it to them, like if you're doing it and you're like, here, here it is. Or if you're a brand consultant and they tell you, hey, um, we need you to create a new identity, you know, like think of your tone of voice, think of everything, just give it to us, uh, send it to us and we'll pay you. If you do that, the people are not really connected to what it is that you're creating. So they don't really appreciate it for themselves. And it has no meaning beyond it's kind of like a transaction, right? Like, oh, mm-hmm. you do this for me and here's the money and whatever. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So they, I just didn't really feel aligned with that part. And I thought that there was something missing. We had a fallout because they we had like a problem, not from my side, but from their side. They changed a lot of things. They were being very demanding, expecting different things, hiding things from me that they didn't tell me. So we ended on a good note. And I decided to actually pivot into a mix between coaching and consulting because I realized if you help people do the things by themselves, 
they appreciate it so much more. They listen to you much more. They kind of actually care and it gives a meaning to what it is that you're doing. So that's basically the reason why I started doing coaching because you kind of can see how the change happens and they're just so much more grateful and they're just like, wow, I'm super, you know, like close to this thing we created and it's perfect and it's me and whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where I'm currently at. Were you, were you scared when you thought of the idea to start your own business? Oh my God. Yeah. I always knew I wanted to do it, but in my mind, I thought I was going to do it when I was like 40, you know, I had like 20 years of experience or whatever. And I had like all these contacts and a network when people would ask me like, Oh, what do you see your future? I would always say like, yeah, I'm going to be my own boss. But I never thought I was going to do it like this year, starting January. So it was a little bit of like, should I do this? Should I not do it? What happens? But what made you what made you to make a made a step, even though you have that doubt? And I, I so I went to an interview with this agency again, but it was on the communication side. So it wasn't advertising anymore. It was communication and social media. And in the interview, I realized that I what I wanted to do, like what I wanted to teach people to do with creating their own brand, they wanted to hire me for that, but to be the in-house person to do it. And I quickly realized, A, it was a very extremely demanding job. So from whatever the person was telling me that I would have to do, my responsibilities would be, I would have had to work from like eight in the morning to probably 8 p.m. every single day. I was just, you know, I, I was sitting there in the meeting. The person was telling me what my job would be if they would hire me. And I kind of just like had flashbacks from the future of like me not eating right, not like prioritizing my personal life, um, being paid not that much amount for a lot of work and just being completely miserable. And I kind of just decided if somebody wants to hire me for that, that means that there's a market out there and I could be making so much more money being my own boss mm-hmm. and also taking brands that I actually like and respect or people that I actually like, respect, have my same values. And I kind of just decided, you know what, I'm going to try it. Worst case, I can always go back to corporate. I can always do something else. We'll figure it out down the road. And so that's kind of how I decided to just go for it. Wow. Sabrina, I want to say at this point, I think you're just so courageous. I think it's easy for folks to sit there and say, oh, I don't have a job yet. Um, this off, this company, you know, is fine. Hire me, give me this money. Well, I should just take it, you know, then figure something else. But I love that you just really integrity to who you truly are and you listen to your own voice. Hey, I don't feel this is right, even though, you know, this is available for me. But I'm going to say no. And yeah. move on to step to do what I truly love. I think that is a tremendous courage and, and integrity and be true to yourself. That that's in, in incredible. Thank you. I think I just after those experiences that I had, I kind of thought I wasn't necessarily afraid of the same thing happening, but I just, you know, saw into my future kind of and I was like, is this something you really want to do? I don't think so. So I just so, decided, mm-hmm. you know. So how's, how's, how's starting a business? So has been, you know, almost a year now. Was it difficult? Was it exactly what you anticipate? Was it easy, fun, sunshine, rainbow every day? Tell us. It was absolutely nothing like I expected it was going to be like, like absolutely nothing like I thought it was going to be like. So first of all, I pivoted quite a couple of times. So from being a freelancer, a couple of months in, so two, three months in, I changed to being a consultant. And then I've been at the coaching space for like two and a half months. So it's fairly new, but, you know, I've learned things along the way. 
So I think the one thing that I wasn't expecting to happen is for it to be challenging mentally. So the thing is you have to be really strong because you have to acknowledge that you're going to have really bad days. Sometimes you're going to just question everything and you're going to think, why the hell am I even doing this? Like, I don't even see any progress. Like, this sucks. Why should I continue doing it? I want to give up. And you're going to cry and you're just going to be like, nothing's going right. I hate my life. I hate this. Why did I ever decide it? And then when it actually goes good, when you get, you know, the first client or when you get people messaging you and being like, oh, you're inspiring. I love your content. I'm learning so much. Your strategy helped me, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You kind of just forget about the bad moments and you're like, okay, this is why I'm doing it. Yeah, okay, I still can do this. So tell us more about the why. So why do you doing this? I really want to create an impact. I, you know, I wasn't as, you listen to me now and you think my entire life I was confident. I probably was like a confident child, but somewhere along the way I lost it for a while, for a couple of years. And, you know, now that I've gained it back, I'm super secure in myself. You know, I still have bad days, but you can definitely say that I'm very open. I talk about a lot of things. I just kind of want to help other people feel that way through their businesses. Mm -hmm. And I know some people that start businesses, they don't really feel that confident because they don't have the strategies or they don't know exactly where to start mm -hmm. or they have an idea, but they don't know how to communicate it or, you know, their brand isn't aligned with what they are. And I just kind of want to help women in this case, but obviously everyone who wants to work with me <laughs> to just find that confidence in themselves and in their business and just believe mm -hmm. that they can do it. So that is basically my goal. Mm -hmm. I, I love that, Sabrina. I'm thinking about thinking through your career, um, entire career path, whether you were pivoting in fashion to beauty and uh, now doing your own business. I think you always listen to your own voice, whether it's you know, at the time you want to clean beauty, like you want to do things that you already believe and trust and then you want to apply and helping others to solve the problem that you already had whether it's in this case you wasn't confident before and now you gain that secure security inside of you and you want to help others to do exactly the same i just love yeah. that you have such a you are so aligned with who you are and what really made you happy and able to really bring the front four speed I, I love that about you Oh, thank you. That's so sweet. That's actually, that was the reason why I also created my podcast. So a lot of people back when I was in my beauty job, they would tell me, you are so obsessed with beauty. You like always make us buy new products. You should launch a beauty vlog. And I was like, I'm not entirely sure I want to do a beauty blog. Like, yeah, I love it. But do I 24 seven just want to talk about beauty? I don't think so. So I always told them, no, no, no. And then quarantine came. I was a bit bored. I was like, okay, what am I going to do with my life besides my business? Like, I think I want to try something new. Should I blog? Should I whatever? And I decided podcasting was a good thing because A, you didn't see my face. B, um, it would be like a new kind of journalisting situation that I had never tried. So I was like, okay, let's start this. And the reason why I started it is the same as with my business, but this time it's to get people to be confident in their own lives. Mm -hmm. So no matter where you are, if you're a millionaire, if you're super famous, if you're an influencer, if you are just starting, if you're a student, if you've had heartbreak, if you have horrible skin, whatever it is, there is at least another person out there that has experienced it. And so 
I didn't really want a lot of people to feel like they're alone and they're the only ones to feel it. So that is kind of what I'm doing through the podcast. I'm having different people on from different walks of life, talking about their problems and talking about their story, kind of like what you're doing, but not with the focus of business. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's beautiful. And, you know, you mentioned that, you know, your goal is to helping people, you know, gain that confidence, know that you are not alone. And I'm curious, you know, if any listeners out there right now want to find that, you know, that one more, a little bit more confident of who they are, any advice, any, any suggestions that you would share? I would say don't listen to yourself saying nobody's going to care. Why are you doing this? Um, you look stupid. First of all, <laughs> nobody cares if you look stupid or not. You're definitely going to look stupid the first time you do. Like the first video you do of yourself, the first podcast you show, the first picture, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it's going to talk. You're going to look stupid. You're going to say, oh my God, why was I speaking that way? Oh my God, why was I doing this weird face? So throw that out of the window. Go into it knowing it's going to suck. It's going to be bad, but you're always going to get better. So that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is... Don't really listen to, oh my God, what are people going to say? Because whatever you do, people talk about you. So if you're not doing what you love, they're still going to talk about you. If you do what you love, they're going to talk about you. If you're not on Instagram, they're going to talk about you. If you are on Instagram, they're going to talk about you. So really <laughs> just like do whatever your heart desires and don't care about what other people want or listen or think because mm-hmm. in the end, they're not the ones that pay you. They're not the ones that, you know... There's this Instagram um, celebrity that I follow, and her tagline is, comments are currency. So those people that are haters, they're not going to, you know, get you anywhere. They're just going to talk about you, talk behind your back, but you don't need that negativity in your life. So just go for it, and who cares? You'll find your people along the way. Mm -hmm. That's so beautiful. I think um, in today's world, I think we all living, we all have that credit inside our heart, right? We all always our biggest credit. And like you mentioned, right? Those voice yeah. of, oh, I might look stupid. Why do I talk this way? Why do I this and that? And outside of that, we're also concerned about what people think about us. And I just heard it somewhere else. Maybe, you know what? Nobody's thinking about you at all. <laughs> you yeah. might just, they all focus on themselves. So you might just, you know, stop worrying about that. Yeah, exactly. I agree with you 100%. I I love that. And, you know, Sabrina, I just love that, you know, along the journey, you are just such a courageous, courageous, uh, fearless leader that able to really um, knowing what you want. And while you will get it, you will keep trying until you get it. So you for sure will get what you want in life. That's just obvious. And how you're able to kind of turn your own of vulnerability, you experience the, 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 the part that, the part that, you know, whether it's on your face or whether um, the, the acne problem or the confidence issue, and you turn that into a vehicle that how you serve your customer, your clients and serving the world. I just think it's such a beautiful, beautiful journey. Oh, thank you so much. You're so sweet one. Oh, and I want to make sure, take a second, talk about your passion to travel the world. So tell me, do you always want to travel the world? And how does that come into the place with your business, with everything that we just talked about? So I think it started literally when I was born because my dad, he's always been a huge traveler. Like he, I've never asked him how many countries he's lived in, but you know, yeah, I I don't know why I haven't (laughs) asked. 
Yeah. But, you know, he's like the typical person that we might be in dinner sometime, somewhere, someplace, we're on vacation, whatever. And he'll be like, oh, my God, this food is so good. I remember when I was like 17, when I was living in, I don't know, go figure, Nepal or whatever. Like, not Nepal. <laughs> like, oh, I remember that time when I was visiting this country. Oh, that was a great time. You know, I had this girlfriend or whatever. It was great. You should do that, Sabrina. So I think I got like a travel bug from him kind of oh. in my blood. And so since I was a child, they would always take me wherever they went traveling. And when I grew up, we started doing at least once a year going to a new place. Mm -hmm. And so moving here to Paris, you know, it's super easy when you're in Europe to travel. It's super cheap. Before COVID, obviously now I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. But like Mm -hmm. before it was super cheap. Distances are short. And I just kind of made it my thing to travel at least once a month, even in the same country or somewhere, you know, a weekend, a day or whatever it is. What what is it about travel that made you you excited? I just love experiencing different places. I think the first time I ever went to a country where I truly did not understand anything, I did not understand the language, I found it totally fascinating because I was just like, I could not even understand anything if I wanted to like even if I tried <laughs> I don't know it's it's a great feeling because I've never I didn't have that before you know speaking English obviously around the world you can understand you know Spanish if you go to Spain if you go to South America whatever um with French it gets easier to understand a bit of Italian so even if I go to Italy I'm not like an expert I can't speak it but I kind of understand but then when you change it and when you go for example I went to Budapest or I went to like Russia there's literally no way in hell you can understand what people are saying. So it's just like a fascinating experience to be and feel like truly, totally out of your comfort zone. Wow. Wait, that is just not a normal answer for spot. What? Not everyone <laughs> are searching for uncomfortable. Sounds like you are actually actively searching that. Why? I why think I am. Now that I'm saying that, I don't know why. That's so incredible. And I think, and I think back about your journey, whether it's from corporate world to today, your own business and how you travel, how you love podcasts and learn about other people's story. I think that is a common thread here. I think you always looking for a new experience. You you are not afraid to put yourself in a new situation and something that you know you have no idea what's gonna happen, but you're just willing to trust the universe gonna bring the best out of it and you're just able to find your own voice that way is that I think you're actually right yeah now that you're saying it it makes a lot of sense and (laughs) I was posting something on Instagram the other day because you know I got uh this friend of mine she wants to start a podcast and she's like oh my god I don't know how you do that and I'm like I don't even know how I did that like if you asked me three months ago four months ago um wait no April May June July I was yeah if you asked me like five months ago oh my God, you're going to be talking about, you know, relationship. You're going to talk about your heartbreak. You're going to talk about this. You're going to talk about mental health. I would have laughed in this person's face and be like, me? No, never. That's never happening. So I kind of like actively found something that would put me constantly uncomfortable and talking to people about uncomfortable things. Why that is, I have no idea, but I definitely will unpack this now that you made me aware of it. <laughs> no, I, I think it's I think it's beautiful and something that I personally try to do every single day. So um, when I, I remember when I first came to state, um, I went to grad school and I remember this one moment in class, I look around in a small class, about 20 of us, Everyone seems understood what professor was saying, but me, I was completely lost. 
And before I came to stay, I literally learned English by you know a cassette. That's all. I never talked to a human being in English before. I never even see a sign. Yeah. I don't know what I mean in the airport. Like I remember that moment in my in my head vividly. I remember how terrified I was. I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna. This is horrible." And I just can't imagine, you know, relate back to you. You said you're just amazed by feeling lost. I I love that. And but but think back about my journey, my own journey. I think about um th- those are moments when you are able to be comfortable with uncomfortable, able to you know what, be open minded and just try and keep pushing. And those are moments that make our life um change and transform in a in a positive way. So for me, I trying to keep that. Uh, mentality in mind, so I try to do things, you know, small or big,、uh, make myself more comfortable every day to remind that feeling. And I love that you actually constantly searching for that.、Um, that is so beautiful to hear that. Thank you. You know, I think that's why we connected somehow. You know, universe has this way of doing things. They were probably like, you need to be reminded of this, so we're gonna、yes. connect when. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's so beautiful. Oh my God, Sabrina, you are just such such a beautiful soul. I just love to see you know your beautiful journey along the way, and you're just strong and tough and fearless. I love that about you.、Um, Thank you. you. Know, obviously, we we learned so much today、uh, about your journey, Sabrina. Is there anything else you want to share that I have not asked? Oh my God! I think we covered so many things. I don't think there's anything. You know, if you want to listen to more of my adventures and my guests, go and listen to my podcast. Yeah, go listen to me being uncomfortable talking about all of these things. Okay, love it, love it. We're gonna post all those incredible links below. Ah,、uh, so folks, if you're interested, learn more about Sabrina, her adventure, make sure check it out. Um. And yeah, well, thank you, thank you so much, Sabrina. You know what a beautiful, authentic journey. I just love, love that you are such a strong, such a fearless leader today. You know what you want. You're gonna go get them. So I'm so proud of you. So thank you for being、thank、so incredible.、You. Thank you for inviting me. This was so much fun. I really loved talking to you. You're a great host. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, all right, guys. This is the show for today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I cannot wait to see you guys. Next time.